This is the Positive Psychology Podcast, episode 54. Welcome to the Positive Psychology Podcast, bringing your earbuds the science of the good life. And now, your host, Kristen Trumpy. Okay, so today we have Nate Bagley with us. He is the host of the great podcast, The Lovementary, where he interviews couples who are in functioning relationships. Welcome to the podcast, Nate. Hey, thanks, Kristen. It's uh, great to be a part of the podcast. So how did this idea for The Lovementary come up? Um, that's a great question uh, that I get a lot. And uh, I think it had to do with my own, my own, I actually don't think I know, but it had to do with my own story. I have always wanted to be in an amazing relationship. I never wanted to be mediocre at love. <laughs> like that's something you just don't want to be known for. You don't want to be the boyfriend or the husband or the wife or the girlfriend who your partner's just like, uh, uh, they're all right, I guess. Like you want to be, it's something I think people really want to be incredible at. And so I noticed that my relationships were not necessarily working out the way that I wanted them to. So I wanted to figure out one, what I was doing wrong, which was not super hard to find out. But the the more important question that I wanted an answer to is, what could I do right? Like if I could go find the most incredible relationships that I was most envious of. And talk to those people. What what would I find out that they were doing differently than everybody else? And so I just set out on this crazy journey and started interviewing couples and trying to figure out what the people with the best love did differently than the people who had relationships that just survived or even didn't make it. So um, yeah, that's kind of how it started. Okay. So do you have like a goal for your audience as well? Um, my goal personally, and I hope that my audience kind of takes this on with me is I, I would like to eradicate the world of mediocre love. So my personal goal is to prepare myself to be the best possible partner. And I think if everybody took that on, that relationships would be much, much different. Um, today, I think a lot of people approach relationships from what can I get out of it? What is this relationship going to give me? What, what, what good can I get from it? How am I going to feel? And um, I think if we approach it as how can I be most prepared for this love so that I can show up best for my partner, two people showing up that way uh, can really make a huge impact on a relationship, I think. so. I love that you say that because that's a conclusion I actually reached a couple of years ago myself. Um, but I, to be honest, haven't really met a lot of people who think about it that way. So you you have mentioned that in the show as well. I've noticed that a couple of times. So how would you prepare yourself if you're single? I mean, it sounds like a difficult... I have a few <laughs> ideas, but like it sounds like a difficult thing to do if you're not actually in a relationship. How does preparation look like it? Yeah, so that's the interesting thing about love is that most people think that it, it, a lot of people think that romantic love comes instinctually like the mother or the love a mother has for her child. But I, what I found is that, uh, that that's just not true. Love is a skill. You, gotta, you have to like learn the skills. You have to practice skills. So just like anything else that's a skill, maybe like art or photography or a musical instrument, um, the first thing you need to do is identify what are the things you need to practice and then you need to like practice those things religiously. So um, 
that's the, I think the biggest thing that, that's really helped me in my, in my journey is first exposing myself to other people who have incredible relationships. Like it, you're, you learn to love from the role models and examples you have access to. So just like if you're raised in Australia, you have an Australian accent. If you're raised in Texas, you have a Texas accent. You have the accent or the, the, the vocabulary of love of the people that you were raised with. And exposing yourself to other couples and the, the way their relationship works and kind of talking to them and asking them questions about what makes their love so great can expose you to new ideas and new paradigms and um, new ways of being within a relationship. And then there's a huge volume, tons of resources of, um, out there from experts who have done research and who have studied relationships, 21st century relationships, and have incredible advice on how to develop yourself as a partner, um, whether you're single or in a relationship. I think a lot of single people are scared of relationship books, like I'll read it when I'm in a relationship. But one of the they, they've actually, a lot of these relationship books like The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work by the Gottman Institute or um, The New Rules of Marriage by uh, Terry Reel or, the, I mean, there's books on, um, there's books on, oh my gosh, why did I just, codependent relationships. There's books on, um, like, uh, on sex, Mating in Captivity by Esther Perel is amazing. But these books, are, are they're written for an audience of people who are in relationships, but reading them before you actually get into a relationship is kind of like having a cheat sheet. So you get the answers to the test before you're even in the test. Thank you. Thank you. Because that's yeah. something that drives me nuts. It's like I, I always say to people, imagine – you know, you, you ring the fire department and then they come and, you know, the sirens blaring and then they pull out the dummy's guide to, you know, putting out fires. It would be kind of a problem. So so we need to practice before we actually get to the real thing. I, I see it the same way. So you have interviewed a lot of couples. Are there any of the research or the concepts or the books that just keep coming up again and again? So sorry, can you repeat that question once? Sure. Um, you mentioned just a, a couple of resources. And I was just oh, wondering yeah. if they are some concepts or books that happy couples keep mentioning again and again that really stand out. I, I mean, yeah, the, the consistent tools and resources are like the, the Gottman Institute has amazing stuff. Um, a lot of people talk about the Five Love Languages book. That's really popular. Um, one of my favorites is um, The New Rules of Marriage by Terry Reel. I just mentioned that. There's a great book by Lara Doyle called um, The Surrendered Wife. Uh, there's just – and, and the, the, the book that you read can totally depend on where you're at in your relationships and what it is that you're struggling with. Like Melody Beattie has a book called Codependent No More. And that's a fantastic book if there's like addiction in your family or if you've ever been addicted to something or if you're in a relationship with somebody who experiences addiction and uh, oftentimes people with addictive personalities or uh, people who have been in relationships with other people who have had addictions get uh, sucked into a specific type of relationship called codependence. And that's a really great book to kind of help identify what codependent behaviors are and how to break them. Um, there's... I don't know, there's just a really, I don't know, I could, I could go on for days and days. Um, obviously, the Love Mentory podcast, if I'm biased, I would love it if people came and listened. Just if you want exposure to other couples who've done some really 
who live their life in a much different way than probably most of us have been exposed to. That's a, a resource that I try to provide. Um, there's different resources for men and for women. Uh, I love the Art of Manliness blog as a man, or there's a, a podcast called The Art of Charm that's really great. Um, and I don't typically do a whole lot of research for women's advice, but there's tons of great resources out there for, for women specifically as well if you're single. Um, so that's, that's kind of where I would start. Uh, there's another book called If You're a Guy, No More Mr. Nice Guy by Robert Glover and another book called um, The Way of the Superior Man by David Data. Those are really great books to kind of help you to help men define themselves as as like a modern day man and like understand what it takes to, I, I read an interesting quote this week. Sorry, I'm totally all over the place right now, but um, there was, he basically said the reason that women are unhappy in relationships is because women have progressed and men have stayed in the same place. Men are still in the, still the same. And so if, if you're uh, a man and you're listening or a woman and you want a, um, a man who is, uh, it, emotionally in tune with you and maybe as uh, psychologically and emotionally developed as you, some of those books are a really great recommendation to kind of help them grow and learn and push outside the stereotypical grunt-grunt, uh, I am man stereotypes. So, Okay. I, when I listen to your podcast, I've, it seems like people had to overcome a lot of expectations that they either had themselves about relationships or that other people were putting on them mm. so I was wondering how do we rid ourselves of these really unhelpful ideas that are floating around society about relationships yeah I think the first thing you need to do is just realize that what works for someone doesn't necessarily work for everyone there are as many recipes for true love as there are people who have it and once you get that truth into your head, once you get the, this idea that your relationship is your creation, you get to make it however you want, um, it really starts, once you start to like understand that and see how other people have created their relationships, I think it makes it a lot easier to set aside the expectations that your love, your relationship has to look a certain way. Um, and that's, that's kind of the, I don't know, that's where, that's where I would start is just empowering yourself to expose yourself to other relationships and see what works for other people and what doesn't work. I mean, I've heard everything from, you know, birds of a feather flock together to opposites attract. Some people are looking for someone who's complimentary to them. Other people are looking for someone who's compatible. Some people want to do everything together. Some people just want like someone to, that, that will love them and let them live their life independently and just like spend a couple hours with them every single day. And there's, there's no right or wrong answer that some people meet and they get engaged after like two weeks and some people meet and they know each other for years and years and years and then they, and then they decide to be in a relationship or, or get married or whatever. Uh, there just is no recipe. There is no magic bullet. There is no secret sauce. It, it's totally up to you. Your story is your story. It's not somebody else's. And when you compare, you start to make things right or wrong. Your own personal experiences become either right or wrong compared to somebody else's or their experiences become right or wrong. And what's the truth of the matter is that there really is not right or wrong. There just is. And if you just embrace the is, if you embrace just what is happening um, and look for the good, if it works for you, great. If it doesn't, then leave it behind and try something else. So, Okay. I, 
I like what you're saying that there that we in a way have way more power to shape our relationship but on the other hand it makes me wonder because for example when I listen to the episodes of the lovementary what keeps coming up is vulnerability mm. for example so that seems to be one of the things that is really key to a happy relationship so how do you reconcile like the freedom on the one hand to basically do whatever you want and then yeah. on the other hand to there seem to be some things which are really important maybe like you know natural laws like gravity you can't really work around that yeah i think you bring up a good point you you can't have a successful long-term romantic re relationship without vulnerability but on the other hand you can't have it be all vulnerability either um, I think we have a tendency to think of life and life's problems in absolutes. And we're, if you think about like the way we're schooled, the, at least the way I, I think the majority of us are schooled this way, is that you get a test, you get quizzed on something, you get homework, and there's one right answer and all the rest of the answers are wrong answers. You get a multiple choice quiz, you get a true-false quiz, and there's one right answer and the rest of the the answers are wrong. You get a test about grammar and there's one way to structure a sentence and all the rest of the ways to structure a sentence are wrong. And um, for the first 20 years of our lives, that's just kind of what we're told. There's an answer and all the other answers are wrong answers. But when we get into life, that doesn't apply anymore. Like the Gottman Institute says uh, that 69% of relationship problems are unresolvable which means you can't just find an answer and the problem goes away. Some of the time that's the case, but the majority of the time, the problems that we have in our relationships or the challenges, they're, they're, uh, they, they fluctuate in severity. They're, um, they, they don't get solved, they get managed. So let me take the vulnerability thing that you talked about a little bit earlier and kind of put that into perspective. So if we wanted to become really good friends, we would be required to be vulnerable. Like we'd have to share details about our lives, um, probably talk about some of our fears and, and really connect and, and share things that might be a little bit scary for each of us. And that would help build our, our friendship, our, our relationship. But if we do that and that's all our relationship is, it starts to be, become smothery. Like it starts to become suffocating and it starts to become a little bit emotionally exhausting and overbearing. And there's a point where after a period of closeness, you do need to kind of detach a little bit and create a, some separateness, so create some independence. Uh, but if you're independent and separate for too long, you start to feel isolated. You start to feel lonely and disconnected from your partner. So you need another moment of, of intimacy, of vulnerability again. And there's this pendulum that swings back and forth between um, vulnerability and between independence. And it's, it's one of those things where you kind of need a healthy, a healthy dose of both. Um, Esther Perel talks a lot about, uh, she, she's an amazing um, sex therapist, and she talks a lot about how the key to desire is separateness. Um, you can't desire something that you have, and so there needs to be an element of surprise, of unpredictability, of separateness of other to create uh, a sense of desire. And so you can have the closeness and intimacy that comes with, with vulnerability, but you, if, you have, if that's all your relationship is, you miss out on spontaneity and surprise and, and um, passion and uh, maybe a little bit of danger and excitement uh, becomes really too comfortable. So I think learning, learning how to have an amazing relationship is a delicate balance. It's, a, it's an art of um, kind of 
learning how to manage that pendulum swing, like to manage, to, to understand when you've had too much of one thing and maybe when you might need something some more of something else. Um, so that's, I don't know, that's, that's kind of what I would say about that. What do you think about the argument that, that we are increasingly trying to basically satisfy all our needs that we used to have a village for in the past um, through our romantic relationship? Like how realistic is it and how much should we maybe look outside? And I don't mean cheat. Um, I no, mean I'm just, with you. Yeah. Yeah, I think that I think I th that's a great point to bring forward. Um, and I think it is a little unrealistic to expect our partner to meet all the needs that maybe just our, our, our village or our tribe used to meet. Even, I mean, just a few decades ago, this was the case. You know, we lived in these tight-knit communities. We're very isolated now as people. And, um, you know, we expect our... We expect our partner to be our confidant. We expect them to be our protector, our provider, our emotional support, uh, our best friend, the person that we go to through for trouble, our therapist. Uh, we kind of just assume that true love means that they're going to fulfill all of these different roles for us. And I think it's a case-by-case -case basis. Like, I don't think there's a universal law of how to manage that, but I think that it's a conversation worth having from, for a lot of couples. And um, I think that there is huge value in having a circle of influence or a circle of friends outside of just your family to help you manage that aspect of your life, whether it's a therapist, whether it's having a group of girlfriends or guy friends, um, a support system, people that you can go have fun with or pursue a hobby with or emotionally vent to in a safe way um, that will that kind of can help you take the stress off of the expectations that you have and create for each other within a relationship. Um, like there are times where I've been in relationships and, you know, my girlfriend will just be really, really sad. And I kind of come to the realization that like, I can't just fix it. And maybe what she needs is to go talk to her mom or go be with her girlfriends for a night and just have a, some time to emotionally just discharge all of the junk. And that maybe I'm not the, the best candidate for that. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's definitely a great conversation that you bring up and a great thing to play around with. I like the humility that you kind of bring up because you need to be somehow humble to admit that you can't do everything. Oh yeah, um, I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, and then that creates a lot of shame in relationships. I think that a lot of people when they don't live up to their own expectations or they don't live up to the expectations that society or their partner has for them, um, there can be a lot of shame. But if you can combat that shame with some humility and just say, hey, you know what? Like, this is a learning process. I don't know everything right out of the gates and sometimes I'm going to need help and it's okay to ask for help and, and not be perfect at this. It opens up uh, a door for kind of grace and for... Um, for making mistakes and for and for not being perfect and for growth. Okay, yeah. Do you feel there are differences? I mean, this might sound weird, but do you feel there are differences between men and women, how they approach relationships? Or are the differences between certain women, you know, just as big as between men and women or between men? Oh, man, that's a rough question. I it's really hard to 
to generalize to that extent um, because there are so many different types of women and so many different types of men. Um, I don't think that they're, I mean, if we have to generalize, I think there's, there's some differences, but I think essentially everybody is looking for very similar things, maybe in different ways, but you know, I think everybody's out there looking, not everybody, but the people who are out there trying to be in a relationship are looking for somebody to share their life with and somebody to share the most intimate parts of their life with and to be truly seen and appreciated and valued for who they are. Um, and then whatever they want on top of that might differ, but I think that's the core of everything is that people do crave love. Um, but yeah, as far as men and women in general approaching things or desiring different things, I, it just depend. It depends. I, I hesitate to make that broad of a generalization because it just really does depend on the person. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, how do you think you like? What was the most surprising thing for you to learn, or one of the most surprising things for you to learn as a result of this project? Um, I I honestly think probably well, there's a couple of things. One of the big things is is that love is something that you learn. I, I just felt like my whole life I'd kind of been taught you got to just find the right one. And not that I believed in A1, but if you could just find somebody you really jive with, it'll just work out. You'll just know and it'll work and things will be good. And it takes a lot of work, but it'll be, you'll figure it out. And there were all these like real, this really general advice um, that didn't ever seem to make any sense. And then when I learned started learning more specifically what the, what the work was and what the sacrifice was and what the skills were required to have an awesome relationship, it all started clicking. And I'm like, I can practice this. You know, if I want to be the type of husband one day who, um, who compliments his wife, I can start complimenting people today and just getting used to complimenting people. Or if I want to be the type of husband who, you know, knows how to make dinner, I need to start cooking now, or I need to work on communicating my needs or work on being a more generous listener or work on um, not trying to be a fixer all the time and, and rather being a supporter. That's something I really struggle with is I like to fix people's problems and I'm learning I, I can't do that and it's a really hard thing to unlearn but these are all things that I'm hoping will make me a better partner down the line and as I've found ways to kind of practice them as a single person, um, I think it's helped to prepare me for being a better partner. And then another huge thing is the principle of integrity. Um, integrity to me means that you do what you say you will do. And there in my life has been a huge lack of integrity. And I think that's why a lot of my relationships have, have suffered. I think that's why most people's relationships suffer is a lack of integrity. But when you start to uh, look at your relationships and, and be willing to make promises big and small and keep those promises, um, it can really transform a relationship, you know. If you if you promise to ar to always uh, argue civilly, and you never break that promise, then you'll never have a knockdown, dragout, emotional fight because you kept your promise. And if you're always if you're scared of having a passionless relationship, then you can make a promise to have sex regularly or to share a passionate kiss on a daily basis or to do the things that would automatically create the type of 
relationship that you want. And so your relationship with your word and your promises and your willingness to make and keep your promises, I think, has a bigger impact on the quality of your relationship than just about anything else. And I think we, I think it's really easy to, especially these days, to not be, to not honor your word, to find a scapegoat or an excuse or a reason why you didn't say that you didn't do the thing you said you would do. And I think that the relationships that truly succeed and flourish are, are full of people who really do honor their word, especially when it comes to their mate, their partner. I'd like to emphasize something that you said, just in case any of the listeners missed it. And that's the whole point that if you practice what you just said, love is always a part of your life, it, mm. whether you're whether you're single or not. And and that's something that I think especially women need to hear because you know I'm 30 and and if you're you no what am I saying I'm over 30 I'm 32 <laughs> and and um and when girls you know when sometimes they come to me and they're like I don't have a boyfriend either and and I don't know like usually I'm kind but like I just want to whack them on the head. <laughs> Be like, stop being so damn sorry for yourself. And, you know, like, become the person you have to be to deserve that guy, you know. So I'm, yeah. I'm glad you're, you're you know, putting this out there. It's, it's good. Is there anything we haven't touched upon that you feel is really important to this whole idea of, you know, the journey of love? Yeah, I just, I, I probably, I mean, I could talk about this stuff for days, but... Uh, I think the most important thing that you can do as a single person, if you're listening, or as a married person, is to is to like really reflect on what kind of partner you want to be, and think about if you're being that that person now, and if you're not, what are the changes you need to make? And if you don't know what changes you need to make, ask. Like, start asking the questions. Go. You know, reach. You can reach out to me if you want. We can talk about it. Um, there's there's therapists, there's coaches, there's websites, there's books. You have friends, um, and the qu the quality of your relationships will def will 100% affect the quality of your life. And the quality of your relationships is determined by how you uphold your end of the relationship, how prepared you are to be at your best. It's the only thing you can control. You can't control how the other person shows up. You can only can control your half of the relationship. But if you're prepared and you're constantly working at being the best boyfriend, husband, girlfriend, father, coworker, son, daughter, whatever, whatever that is, your relationships are going to flourish and so will your life. Life is all about relationships. It's the most valuable thing that we have. Um, I would much rather be poor and have a lot of friends than rich and have none. It's a lonely life to live. So I would just encourage people to like really reflect on the relationships they want to enhance and, and really ask themselves, what do they need to do? Uh, what promises can they make? What promises can they start keeping or be accountable for? What, um, what rules can they put in place? What, what can they do to improve their ability to show up as a partner? Thank you, Nate. Um, yeah, where can people pleasure. find out more about you? Uh, you can go to my website at loveumentary.com or um, I also have a website called unboxlove.com which is where we sell a date in a box to couples once a month. So that's kind of a fun little project that we do. Um, 
Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kristen. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help us out by sharing it with your network and leaving a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher. We would love to hear from you at Kristen at strengthphoenix.com. For show notes and more, head over to www.strengthphoenix.com. Thanks for listening to the Positive Psychology Podcast. We're saying goodbye with Happy Yogurt. <laughs>